0: Discon- 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 discontinued gravy. 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 Discontinued, discontinued gravy.
1: gravy. Goal, to simplify life and make it fun.
0: Because we've been there.
1: I mean, we're in our mid twenties.
0: So we've seen it all.
1: This is
0: discontinued gravy.
1: Oh, ah! that was the best one. That was the best <sighs> one. Back. Krista, do you know what episode <laughs> this is?
0: I love that. Um, sorry, sorry, Nick. What? Huh? Do you know?
1: Do you know what episode this is?
0: Episode. Hmm. Like actually, the, like the I, I actually believe I do know what episode you're talking about.
1: This is this is episode fifty, Krista. The big five zero.
0: Oh my gosh, how how did we do that? I mean, this is the one episode that, like, we actually thought about, <laughs> you know, yeah. not our anniversary episode, not our first episode. Nope. But 50. Wow, that's a big one. That's a milestone.
1: It took us a long time to be prepared for a podcast, but we are prepared for a podcast because we got the coolest guest imaginable, Miss Hannah Cat Jones. Hannah, how are Hi.
2: you? That's so sweet. um I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm just really excited to see you guys and. Uh, I this is my first ever like legit podcast interview, so I feel I feel special. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're basically <laughs> our first guest, so I, we feel special here. <laughs>
2: Yay!
0: Everybody's special. We're all special, you know, right? I know. I'm so overwhelmed right now, but I'm so excited because like you, I've. You're like a sweet angel person for doing this in the first place. But to like also just kind of like know like you through social media is kind of like, oh my gosh, this is like I'm stoked.
2: <laughs> Wait until you realize how tall I am. Like, if we met in real life, a lot of times people don't realize like five eleven is really tall, and I have five eleven of me. <laughs> That's such a weird <laughs> way to say it. No. I'm five feet and eleven inches of of a person. And so when I meet people, especially I teach acting to kids and uh it's really taken off during uh quarantine and after it's just kind of snowballed and I love it and it's so much fun. But then I like when I get to meet them in person, some of these kids I've been working with for like six months or even a year now and their eyes get so it's almost like I see terror. Like they're terrified at how tall I am. Like they think I'm I'm gonna like step on them or something. It's like it's just really funny when people realize that uh, I'm not the average height. <laughs>
1: so you're five eleven.
2: It's a lot. It's big. That's tall.
1: I mean, it's really yeah, tall.
2: it is. I and mean, that's I... flats. I don't really like wearing flats, so I'm usually <laughs> wearing like the only flats that I can manage are my Adidas, like running shoes but other than that i have to be wearing like i love boots i love platforms i don't know maybe it just makes me feel like a little less i don't know it's hard to explain it like helps me cope with my height because it's also very a lot for me to handle (laughs) being so tall pants never fit right and it is it is like the bane of my existence like i'm (laughs) constantly I'm constantly trying to, like, reason with people, like, these are not capris. They're just pants that don't fit me right, you know? It's really hard to find pants that are long enough.
1: That, that's understandable. And from what I've watched on TV, you seem taller than everybody else, but now I'm thinking all those people were a lot shorter than I thought they were.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially Rainy Rodriguez and, um, and Laura Murano. Yeah. They're l- yeah. such cute, petite people. And I remember, and I remember the first time when I went to a table read, I was just starstruck by the whole crew. And, um, the first table read that I went to for Austin and Allie was my first table read on a TV show ever. So being on a Disney channel show uh-huh. and meeting like all these celebrities Um, in the same room. It was like a lot of star power, you know, that energy that you feel like just being around someone that you see through the TV screen and all of a sudden now they're in person with you. And Laura Murano came to shake my hand and I literally was like pushed back by just the amount of, she's so, so sweet. And so like her energy was just so strong that I like my tall, gangly, awkward (laughs) self fell into the lap of one of the writers. Oh. Oh wow! <laughs> and everybody in the room started laughing. They were like, "That's something your character would do," and I was like, "Booked it." <laughs> You're like, "Does that mean I got it?" Huh? You guaranteed
1: the spot. <laughs> you did
2: that on purpose. <laughs> yeah,
1: you nailed the spot of
2: Carrie. Mm-hmm.
1: But um, anyway, um, how are you doing? how How is your How are you feeling right now?
2: Um, you know, it's like mixed emotions because uh, I got, you know, I I've re kind of I'm re engineering my brain. <laughs> oh. Whoa. Yep. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. I'm kind of holding myself more accountable to do like some internal stuff. And it's weird. It's like you open up the hood of your car or and you start kind of like messing with little things to try to fix it. And then at the same time I'm like, I don't know how to fix a car. <laughs> so I'm like talking to a therapist, um, better help. It's great. I like, you know, there's some things that have happened through quarantine that have like totally shifted the way I operate. Like I love using uh Zoom for meetings and like it's so convenient to have this conversation in my like in my living room. I'm not wearing pants.
1: <laughs> Facts. Honestly. I mean,
2: you know, I got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I, I feel hurt. Fantastic. I got the best of both worlds right here. You know, party down below. (laughs) (laughs) Business somewhat up top. Business
1: on top, party down below. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm doing the same thing, basically.
2: No. Pants don't fit me right, you guys. I got to wear shorts.
1: I feel that, honestly. Like, on an emotional level. I feel that.
2: You feel that. But, yeah, no, like, therapy's been really interesting because I do a lot of the talking. And then I think you know, it's kind of like I'm paying someone to listen to me. Like, I'm not really sure my friends, I love my friends, don't get me wrong. But a lot of times like you might have a problem and uh, like unloading some stuff onto friends can do a couple of things. Like uh, it can kind of be like a downer or like, it can kind of like, you know, it's not really like fun to talk about. Sometimes it's just hard um and I don't like want to rely on my friends to fix me you know and so then like uh talking to a therapist has been good but it's just kind of strange because I'm like wow I you know when you talk to your friends about yourself uh and then they start talking about themselves or whatever like the the conversation it's just interesting how uh therapy is very uh expensive (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's for sure I mean it's at least really
0: interesting to like you're taking that time to figure out why you do the things or think the way you think and you're deconstructing that and it takes a lot of time in therapy like it's it's going to take some time to do that but like it's amazing that you're doing it in the first place but
2: yeah exactly it's like you know what (laughs) I don't know what I'm paying for at first (laughs) Yeah. Like the first session, you know, I did a lot of talking uh, and then she was like, okay, we're done. I was like, oh, oh, right. No, no. My, I really love my therapist. And I think the, you know, sh- they have to get to know us. Like that's the important part too. Uh, Like they are kind of, you know, a friend in the sense that they need to know like my background and things like that. And I don't know, it's just, I'm a huge advocate for mental health. Like that's al- always been kind of uh, part of my journey as an actor too. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, mental health is just as important as your physical health. And it's like, if you don't have one of, if you, if one of the things is missing from like either your physical or your mental, then it really like can, it can stop you from feeling successful in areas of your life. So, um, it's been something like, I really like, I'm glad that I started, but I definitely was procrastinating on it. And I think it's too, cause of the expense that's mm. un- what's unfortunate about it, you know? And like, if we're going to go on a witch hunt with anybody, it's like the way that like, kind of s- not s- necessarily society, but just like how I feel like there's kind of a lack of, uh, support from, you know, media and, and. Like, maybe, like, the radio or the news, you know, these places that, like, could kind of talk more about, like, have you have you checked in with yourself today? How do you feel?
1: Well, I mean, I think you're right in that sense, because, like, mental health has been, like, growing, you know, in the mainstream recently. But, like, for for example, like, in Canada and parts of the, you may have heard of it, it's called, like, Bell Let's Talk Day. Um, and basically, it's, like, every tweet, phone call, text on a certain mobile carrier they donate five cents to mental health awareness great cause we're starting to learn that Bell's kind of a shit of a company but um <laughs> we both used to work for bell it's kind of funny but um we've so,
0: never actually said what company it was and now you just did
1: i'm, I'm putting a name <laughs> to it but a- anyway like it's one day a year that they talk about this it's one day of the whole freaking year that they're like mental health go check on yourself then January 29th comes around and nobody's talking about it anymore. Like, 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 there's, I think there's a mental health awareness day like somewhere in like September, but nobody talks about it. Like, this, like, they're, you know, and they say keep the conversation going. Why are we not keeping the conversation going? Like, like, a simple, just like, hey, how's it going to a friend will
2: help. Yeah, well, and, yeah. And I love I've been listening to like all sorts of comedians um, and there there's a joke one of them talks about. It's like when I ask you, how do you feel or how's it going? I'm not really asking you like to tell me like and so I think it kind of also is part of um what is that called, like our culture, you know, that like, like, I think it's great that you're saying like, let's have a day at least, you know, once a year that is really focused on like unleashing or kind of taking down the facade. Like social media is really interesting because it's so much about like the instant gratification and validation through likes or followers and, and, you know, views and things like that. And it just, I think, a lot of of my um you know my sadness kind of comes from that and so it's weird because then you see posts like i believe in mental health or like you know and it's just kind of like it doesn't make any sense to me because i don't think that's healthy either you know and Uh, It's just it's a very it's very much like you have to hold yourself accountable and like do kind of the it's it's exactly like going to the gym or like, you know, uh, eating healthy those things that like, you know, it's it's a balance like you can't you don't want to go overboard with anything and like you can't take life too seriously Um, and, uh, I love dancing. Like, I feel like that's a great sense of therapy for me and like live music. And I'm like a huge, I'm really into like the festival scene. And during the pandemic that my world was crushed because, and like, to look at it, look back and look, looking back on it, I'm so grateful and so fortunate that that it was like the worst case scenario for me (laughs) was that like, oh no, I don't get to go to a festival and yeah. dance half naked with glitter all over my body. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's still, still kinda- fun. Yeah, exactly. It's so fun, and I think it's too. Like, it's about like the connection and like being, you know, uh, like listening to music with a bunch, a group of people. And it seems like at a lot of festivals, like people are so much more open minded. Like nobody, it doesn't feel like you're getting judged as much about like what you're wearing or how you're dancing, how you're acting. Like it's kind of a a culture that's m- much more embracing. Um, and yeah, so I, it's just interesting trying to like figure out. The balance between talking to someone and then what I can do like on a daily basis that isn't expensive to uh, take care of myself and that like the whole like self care, I feel like is another thing that's somewhat um, there's a word for it when you uh, use it to your advantage on social media, uh, exploited, like the whole, like hashtag self care. I'm putting on a face mask by this company. You know, it's like, it's exploited in a sense that then it becomes, it it loses its value. And, um, the things that are really helpful, which we can talk about in recommendations are free (laughs) and they're completely free. And you're not going to get like a bunch of followers if you do it. And so nobody talks about these things. Yeah.
0: Yeah I think it's hard to like because during COVID like you said like all your your social life and was shut down essentially and that's because you weren't getting your cup filled anymore. You weren't getting filled back up from the other things that you had to go do. So your your battery ran low and then you you did the best thing possible. You You were like okay how can I improve my situation? But I think the hardest part for a lot of people is that first step of like I'm going to actually ask to see A counselor or someone like that people think there's something wrong with them as soon as they're like maybe I should do this and they're like but there's nothing wrong with me there doesn't have to be anything wrong with you but no one is perfect (laughs) right
2: no one right and I like someone else I heard someone else say this and that's really when I took the step is that they were saying like Um, they'd been taking therapy for years and like, had really felt like they were, you know, um, fighting it and the, the, the sessions that they really didn't want to go to, they were, you know, kind of because their parents were making them go. It was like a lot of, you know, pressure and tension and anxiety of just like having to fix themselves. They felt like they were broken or whatever. And then as they were, you know, going through this process, they started to feel better. And, um, then they started to think, I don't need to go to therapy anymore. I feel better. But because they were held accountable, um, you know, by their parents and they ended up continuing to go, they said that those sessions, the ones where they felt actually fine, were one of the, like some of the best sessions to look at them, like look at what's going on with more clarity, maybe not as much emotional stuff going on, but like a little bit more uh, just from like, you know, uh, like a, a, a balanced perspective. So I think, you know, it's kind of interesting, like, because there's such a stigma around mental health. It's like something that like, only if you're really sick, should you be getting a therapist? Or if you think like you're saying, if you think there's a problem with you, then you need therapy. And it's not that it's just, you know, taking uh taking uh, inventory of sort of like what's going on in your life that is working for you or working against you without even realizing like there's so much that through therapy I've learned like that it just doesn't serve me or suit me or help me and it's been really hard to let go of those things I think that's you know uh, one of the the hardest parts is like letting go of things that are holding me back. And it's weird, because I know they're holding me back, but at the same time, they've like I've let them become part of my identity, you know? So it's, it's very interesting, and um, yeah.
1: <laughs> now, we talk a lot about, you know, being in our mid-20s and the stuff we've done with our lives, and we haven't done, like, a percent of what you've done in your mid-20s. Like, you're in your mid-20s, you're on Disney, you're doing all this cool stuff, like... How were you, were you thinking about your mental health in your mid-20s doing all these cool things? Because a lot of people, you know, they assume, you know, they're like, oh, you're doing something so cool. I would dream of being on a Disney show. How can you have a bad day being on a Disney show? Like, like that's, I I, I think it's coming more now where people are noticing it. But, like, you know, you're, you're in your mid-20s. You're still young doing this stuff. And, like, how did you get through it?
2: Um, I think that the most important thing that's always helped me sustain myself is the emotional support I get from my family, my friends, and my dog. Yes. yes.
1: <laughs> love
2: love the fluffy creatures. They love the fluffs. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it, it's definitely I think one of the most um the like hardest things to be prepared for when you're uh, an artist that does get into these situations um, is uh, the uh, what's the word where you imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. That's such a freaky, like when, okay. So I have experienced imposter syndrome ever since I got into acting. Like I remember going into, uh, going to the high school for the performing and visual arts in Houston. And I had, uh, you have to audition to go to this arts school. And, uh, the first day of school, they actually didn't have my name on the list. Like, so everybody got assigned like a big brother or big sister, like a senior that was gonna guide them through high school, you know, and then I wasn't on the list. And I don't know if my mom like just took me to that high school and was like, she's going here or what <laughs> happened, like where somebody like dropped the ball, but I felt like I didn't belong. And Aww. Yeah. And I've always kind of had like, you know, my parents are pretty emotional creatures They're You know, my parents got divorced when I was seven. So like, I always had one mom or you know, I had my mom crying on one shoulder and then my dad crying on the other shoulder. And that's had kind of an impact on my relationships as well. Like just kind of my goals and having a relationship and what a healthy relationship for me means and, and everything like that. But then like after high school, um, I went to uh, the co- uh, college in Austin, and I started uh, studying photography. And I had never really modeled before. And a friend of mine, who was who is still one of my closest friends in Houston, was like, "You should go to the mall and audition for America's Next Top Model." Let's. She took me to the mall. Like we got there at seven a.m. on a Saturday for a three. <laughs> on a whim. Oh. No, I think we planned for a couple of days, and like at that point, I had like been, you know, working at a gym over the summer and like learning about nutrition, because like in high school, I was straight up theater, uh, theater nerd, and so yeah, love it. Like I could, you know, gladly put a pie in my face like any day of the week, but like being being confident on camera, like looking like a model, was like. Uh, Like, that just was, like, funny to me. Like, I didn't think that that was something that I would do. And so my friend, you know, uh, she was like, let's go, let's take you to the mall. She had um, a big poster of me that's, or uh, not of me, but a poster that said, Hannah J is America's Next Top Model. And because we got there at 7 a.m. in the morning, I was 24th in line. There were thousands of girls in the mall in Houston that day going to this open casting call. Like, there were so many factors that made like that come into play and when I talk to kids about, like, when I teach kids acting or talk to them about whatever their dreams might be, you know, whether it's modeling, being a pop star, being a, you know, a a dancer or a musician, whatever it might be, like, luck has so many variables to it. And when you go to an audition, if you don't book it, it's not because it's rejection. It's not that they didn't like you. There's so many other variables, like uh, funding for the project, or maybe they decided to go with a different um, care, a different type of person for the part or, um, you know, maybe the, uh, maybe COVID happened and the project <laughs> never even happened. So it's like all these different variables that, you know, at the end of the day, like you have to just do your best and go for it. And like, um, yeah, the imposter syndrome was something that I definitely felt in America's Next Out Model. Cause like I'd never really modeled before. I put my hair in pigtails for the audition and they really liked that. And <laughs> I, I, I feel most confident when I'm, you know, spunky and not really taking myself too seriously. You know, like if my hair's down, I kind of feel like I'm going to go to bed now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like this is like so like the uh, going on the show, the one of the weirdest things. I don't know. There's a lot of weird things about top model. But like one of the first episodes at the judging panel, I came without my hair and pigtails because I had been wearing my hair and pigtails for like two weeks at that point Mm. and so i kind of wanted to change it up you know and uh you know the uh judges like nigel and and the other judges were like i don't really see you i don't really see why like how she's a model like i don't really see it and tyra was like oh you should see her in pigtails you should see her in pigtails and when she gave me my photo for that week she said next time come in pigtails and so it's also kind of like back to the imposter syndrome. It's like, I'm like wondering like where my identity is and, and, and who I like, what, I don't know you like as an artist and maybe as a person in your early twenties, you start wondering like, what, what, who am I? What, why am I special or what makes me interesting and stuff like that. And it's just kind of, it's been a ride to like, figure out like personality, um, and who I am, you know? And, I don't know. I, I kind of like being somewhere in between bubbles and um, Harley
1: Quinn. <laughs> well, I'm <wanna, laughs> <was>
2: wearing pigtails. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I want to
1: say, I've told, I've said this on the podcast before. We talked about hair once. Hair is like my favorite feature on somebody. I just think hair is so cool. And I've always said, pigtails are my favorite hairstyle. I just think it looks so cute. <laughs> and then all my friends are asking me, what kind of pigtails? Low, high? I'm like, I don't know. And I always show them the picture of Carrie. Oh, <laughs> <Aww, that's-
2: laughs> funny oh my gosh
1: <laughs> cuz it's the perfect pigtails that's so
2: cute well like I, my so my dad's a hairdresser growing up oh, okay. i was always in my dad's hair salon and i just loved playing with hair so i don't know it's like it's fun and uh yeah i like i i, I like doing all different types of hairstyles but the easiest go-to for me uh, especially if I haven't washed my hair in, like, five days, which is normal for blondes, yes. Yes, and a lot of people try to make you feel bad about not washing your hair. I take a shower every day. Sometimes I take two or three, but the hair doesn't get cleaned as often. <laughs> and so, like, putting it up or in braids, things like that, is just easier. Um, and, yeah, now we're talking about hair, which is so funny. <laughs> I love it when I talk. I love talking about uh, hairstyles and coloring hair and, and cutting it and all sorts of things.
1: I love talking you, about hair too.
0: You <laughs> must have been so scared on Top Model though because like they do some crazy things with the hair there. Were you, were you scared that they were going to Either like destroy your hair somehow, especially since your dad's a hairstylist. Like, I would be having anxiety. Like, oh my gosh,
2: yes. Oh my gosh, I totally thought that they were going to like shave my head. I mean, I I saw they it. would though. They would. Yes. I mean they they that was like a missed opportunity right there because I would have totally had a meltdown. It would have been a very dramatic episode for me. Um, but I think they got enough of me having an anxiety attack when they put bees on my head, and we had to like model with bees all over our body. Uh, and the the other thing too, like I so anxiety is interesting. Like going and I jump around a little bit. I don't know. I have like a a very different attention span to most people, this is uh, right? and I am not medicating myself. So here it is, um, <laughs> unfiltered. <laughs> right, exactly. But um, I like the anxiety. Uh, came out, like, my anxiety really started to show when I was on America's Next Top Model. The impre- the the pressure of being on that show was uh, very intense, and the very first episode, uh, they tricked us. Like, there were 30 girls that showed up to LA. They'd flown from, you know, all different parts of the U.S. for the, like, final week of casting, and they gave all 30 girls an envelope, and they said, whoever's Uh, picture is in the envelope is going to the house and whoever's picture isn't in the envelope is going home and I opened up my envelope and guess what it was blank (gasps) why why do they keep making you feel like (sighs) that was week one on top of like the anxiety of being like you know being a model um and people are a lot more body positive now but like and it's still a problem. But I mean, I definitely had like a borderline eating disorder because I was like, I hope I'm going to be skinny enough for the show. And like, mm. luckily, I never made myself sick or anything. Um, You know, I, I definitely in my 20s ha- uh, have had issues with um and sorry, this sorry, Nick, this is very girly, but also <laughs> something that people need to be aware of, like when you are. Um, very low body fat and you, um, are exercising a lot and not getting enough calories for a woman. That's very, very bad. Um, being malnutritioned is very, very bad for a a woman, a man, or them. It's a very bad, it's a bad it's playing with fire. And I like, I didn't have a period for like, you know, I had like maybe once a year. And I know that's like a very, you know, a very personal topic, but it's something that young women really need to know that like, when you don't have that, that's a sign of malnutrition, you know, but as a model, it was the norm. You talk to, if you talk to model, like a group of models, major a lot of them, if they're not like naturally very, lean will have this issue as well and and some athletes like some uh olympians and things like that too so it's just another one of those things that is too normalized in our society or not talked about enough that it becomes somewhat normal you know it's Mm -hmm. like it's just kind of shrugged off and it's it's you know something that could affect us all if like women are less likely to be able to reproduce like you know what i mean and it's all of a sudden it's handmaid's tale like coming in a (laughs) So it's like, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I went off on a tangent there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a lot of anxiety. And that first episode when they tricked us was really weird because uh, the girls who had their picture in the envelope were uh, like whisked away, and they were like, "Ha losers!" I mean, they were really rubbing it in our face. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they, uh, the producers or the camera people, interviewed us and asked us how did it feel to be sent home first and being rejected by Tyra Banks and using all these like triggering words. And the thing with reality TV is, uh, I, I don't know if they still do this or how it works on other shows, but on my season a top model. The producers behind the camera, or maybe not. I don't know if that they were the producers, but whoever's behind the camera asking the questions, the interviewers, they will set up uh, a question in order for you, you them to get the best the the ideal response that they want. And this and they'll ask what they want in the answer in the question. So you have to answer the question uh, with the question in it. So it's very tricky, but it's something like. Uh, so why do you think Alexandria is such a bitch? Well, I think Alexandria is a bitch because she didn't really have uh, great parents growing up and she always had to kind of fend for herself. But all of a sudden now it sounds like I think Alexandria is a bitch, yeah. even though not necessarily so. And so it was uh, a lot of the like the manipulation too that was kind of weird to see firsthand. Um, but they took the girls that thought that they were going home up to um, get their luggage. And Tyra Banks started walking down a staircase and was like, I had to face so much rejection before anybody told me or opened the door for me or told me yes. So I'm sorry I have to send you home. But the good news is you don't have to go far. She pressed a button and this curtain dropped. And all of a sudden we were in this penthouse apartment downtown LA with candy and toys and <laughs> Our pictures everywhere and it was so surreal like on top of the the um, like unrealistic life we were already living like this weird world that we were already in of being on a reality TV show and filming and everything like that was already surreal and then the fact that they said you don't get it actually just kidding you do and like Whoa. just that yo-yo of, of <laughs> playing playing with us in like that one and like three hours of our lives it was so strange. Um, and the other girls that thought that they had gone into the house had been sitting on a bus, and we didn't see them. Like, and we like never saw them again. Basically, after they had thought they were going, so I ran into a girl <laughs> in Dallas like a year later, and I was like, Oh my God, I thought they, I thought you disappeared off the face of the earth. The way that, like, you just like, that yeah. was just so weird. What happened? And she said that they waited on a bus for a, a couple of hours before a producer came on the bus and said that was all for show, you're going home tomorrow. Whoa. That's vicious. <laughs> That's something that I think is also very um, under, it's very masked by like the smoke and mirrors of the industry is that you, even when you think you have it, you might not necessarily have it. Like. I try not to like talk to people about auditions or when I'm on hold for a project or even when I've shot a project, I really try to keep my mouth shut. It's hard when I'm excited and Superhero Diaries is a little different, um, but like for the most part, I try to wait until it's actually airing to talk about it because you never know when you might get like edited out of a project um, you never know when, uh, like you show up to the, the script, the, uh, the day that they read the script and they, the producers are like, Oh, we don't really like the way that they're reading that actually. And they recast actors all the time. Like yeah. that. I saw that on my first episode of Austin and Ally. Mm.
1: Well, like I, uh, I feel that just because like, I don't like when jobs, when I'm applying for jobs or something like that, I generally don't tell people. Like i won't even tell my parents i'll just be like i'm just applying them for myself just because it's more personally like a superstition like once i tell somebody i'm not going to get it because of that right so i kind of get where you're coming from in that sense
0: yeah yeah and i just can't get over the the, like you said the yo-yo effect um that was happening with you so people keep telling you who to be and then you can't be that person and I can just imagine how hard in the industry that really made it to like stand up for yourself. And I just like, how did you do that for yourself? Because obviously you did because look at all the things you've done.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> unfiltered. Oh my gosh. Well, like, uh, you know. <laughs>
0: But, I mean, you you seem like, like – like you said, you're kind of like an emotional person, which kind of makes you a bit empathetic. So it makes it hard to stand up for yourself sometimes. So, like, being unfiltered, that's great, you know, if, if that's the advice that people can give me.
2: Yeah, so um, I learned that a lot, too, through some of the experiences that I got on Top Model, and sometimes I still kind of, um, you know – I have like the negative self-talk like, oh gosh, Hannah, you're such a pushover. No, don't be a pushover. But like at the same time, it's important to be a good person. So there's like that balance too. It's like, pe- like, it's just, you know, I-, I think a lot of people, uh, put walls up. Um, and as an artist, uh, especially an actor where my job is to be emotionally available and vulnerable on camera, I can't, I have to not put those walls up. And so it's tricky because, uh, you know, people in my close circle see kind of, they kind of see Harley Quinn, like uh, as far as like personality jumps, like sometimes I'm super happy and other times I'm really sad. And it's, but it's hard because I'm, you know, trying to be like, Zen master of my own emotions, so that I can call on them a little bit more like in control of that instead of them controlling me. Um, but like, I guess through, you know, trying to answer your question more directly, um, I look at, the work that I do and like, I try to kind of learn lessons as I go. And one of the things that was really interesting and a fun story to tell is also from America's Next Top Model, like the episode at the end where um, there were three of us left and I never ever thought I would be in Morocco (laughs) filming America's Next Model. It was amazing. And at that point I felt like I had won because uh, you know, I just, I was on cloud nine. Like I, I, at that point, it's like kind of one of those situations where yes, I, I want to make it all the way to the finale and be like the America's next top model. But at the same time, I was like, gosh, this feels so good to like have gone overseas with the show and like have, you know, to have, to have made it through all of the challenges along the way, you know, doing a fat, doing a, 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 photo shoot on, on a landfill and actually seeing what a mountain of trash looks like, um, which they exist. And, you know, it's, it's definitely had some impact on like how I've tried to become less wasteful. Um, I still have a shopping problem that I'm trying to keep at bay, but, um, the, the last episode that I was in, uh, the challenge that we had, uh, I lost and um, the winner of the challenge went and got a massage while me and the other person who lost had to pick up dead animal parts (laughs) off the table, like a severed cow's head and um, guts and like hooves and all sorts of weird insides of animals. Um, put them into a donkey cart and then drag the donkey down a Moroccan alleyway as Moroccan men like no women are around as a bunch of Moroccan men are laughing at us. And the cameras are there. The cameras are rolling. So I'm thinking like when people see this on Facebook. TV, they're going to be like, what is America's Next Top Model doing? This has nothing to do with modeling. Um, This is crazy. And in the back of my mind, like, I wish that, like, you know, I was like, this is so messed up, but I'm going to do it because I'm on the show and I want to get first place. And like, if I say F you now, I'm not doing this and I walk away, then I'm going to give up that potential uh, you know, win. Yeah. And so uh, me and Brittany like, you know, had these like little uh, aprons on and we're both like bleh, bleh, you know, like gagging because this cow head, we both had to pick it up together. You know, its tongue was hanging out. Oh. Um, then we had to crawl into a meat locker thing, you know, in a third world country with a butcher who's like, you know, laughing and sharpening a knife and covered in animal guts and it was so gross and weird and you know then six months later you know it's that that episode that airs and this is that was the episode that i got eliminated on so i was like oh this is going to be such an interesting episode like i go home plus like this crazy thing happens that should never have happened on america's next top model because it has nothing to do with fashion has nothing to do with modeling and they didn't air it wow Yeah, I I wonder why. (laughs) Uh. Gosh, they started off the show on such a high note, tricking girls and making you know crushing dreams, and the this like the finale. Wow, it really you know it would have been just so much different had the show been uh, edited differently. And you know, it's what's funny too is people always ask me like if when they see the show and they don't know me personally, you know, people online, they're like. Anna, are you really as much of a crybaby as they made you look like on the show? And it's just when you when you take three days <clears throat> to film one episode and you have to squish that into a 30-minute episode, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that they're going to make everybody look like they're always in a good mood, or do you think that they're going to take uh, people having meltdowns, people having cat fights, uh, you know, people, I don't know eating, eaten lots of cookies. <laughs> I don't know. Just the, They try to make them the episodes as weird as possible and as dramatic as possible. And I was definitely crying so much on the show because it was so hard. I, and it was literally one of the first things that I'd ever done on my own before. Um And yeah, I don't know. Like as far as trying, I really, Kristen, I wish I could answer your question like a little bit more, um, uh.
0: Honestly I think you kind of did though you pointed like at certain things that like I kind of picked up you're like just noticing you know like you noticed that that was messed up I think just starting to like take the time and be like hey like I should have stepped up there now next time if you're ever put in a situation where you feel like you're getting mistreated you're probably going to stand up and say something because you know at the end it's not going to be worth it.
2: Right and in hindsight had I been like no if you guys, I'm not doing this. The worst thing that could have happened did happen. I got eliminated, you know. Yep. So, uh, and in hindsight, getting eliminated that episode was the best thing ever because the two finalists got all of their hair chopped off. Oh,
0: <gasps> things happen for a reason.
2: Guys, <laughs> yes. so Tyra was like, "Okay, the final challenge. Any super uh, the, a supermodel has to be able to rock any haircut." So both of the girls got all their hair cut off, and Brittany, the winner, looked like a pixie. She looked super cute. And Molly, I was like, "Dang, you look kind of cute, like Justin Bieber cute." You know what I mean? Oh. I was like, I didn't know I'd have feelings like that for a girl, but that was cute. <laughs> I was like, "Okay," and yeah. So I, I mean, it was a very interesting um, finale to the show, and I. Um, I remember one of my favorite things was like being back in Dallas, Texas with my grandma who saw like, you know, little Hannah on TV and like, you know, you, you make your grandparents so proud when like they see you do stuff like that, you know, and I was like, yeah, I went to the grocery store. She was out, like, uh, grab, she grabbed the car and I came back to the car and I'm walking in front of the car and I get into the driver, I, uh, the passenger seat with her and I'm like, let's go, Grandma. And she was like, you walk like such a model now. Oh. <laughs> and it's like those little moments where, like, I, that's where family or people that know you before you're successful and stick through, stick with you through your success are so important because they're like kind of mirrors and can help you with like, you know, some of the things that come with all the pressures of the industry. Um, and my, you know, my grandparents were always super like, you know, um, supportive and like getting me acting classes when I was a kid and stuff like that. And so that, that's what, uh, is kind of the payoff. Um, it's not like winning the show, but like getting to, you know, my grandparents getting to see that. It was fun. Um,
1: yeah. that that would be pretty cool. I I feel like that would be a pretty cool feeling. <laughs> but uh, you mentioned earlier the how it was a little different with the thing you're doing now, which is superhero diaries. Why is it different with this uh, now?
2: I I'm really I'm really grateful to be part of this. I met uh, Scott. Uh, one of the producers of the show a couple years ago at Sundance. And um, it was just like the way it's all sort of played out. I feel like um, he's given me a lot of freedom with the character and also kind of input on, you know, the storytelling. And so I feel like I have a lot more um, involvement than being an actor to to him and, and the project. It just feels like we're a family and that's uh, also, really, just a good sign of collaboration, uh, and that's something that I felt a lot on uh, on um, Austin and Allie. Was uh, you know the the four main characters were like family. You know, they'd been working on uh, the show uh, since they were a lot younger. You know, and like the the years that they were on the show were very formative years for them, where they went from kind of like you know young teenagers to like eighteen year olds. You know, that time in your life is so, so important for anybody that age, but for them to be on Disney channel. And then, you know, I came in with that and I definitely didn't tell anybody right away, but as I got to work with the costume designer and, um, you know, this is something that I tell kids that I teach acting to, it's so important to be involved with like creating your costume and creating the character from the outside. And so I just feel like, you know, it, it feels uh, really real to me with uh, Superhero Diaries in that sense as well, just like the connection with the people I'm working with to, you know, it is business at the end of the day. And if, if Harley Quinn, if I, I get cut as Harley Quinn, I'll be sad, but um, it would be really hard to find someone who fits in the costume because that costume does not, it is, it is, I got, I had to get a size medium for the bottoms but a size small for the top, and it is very hard to fit. Fit, and it is very hard. I wish that they had more options for the Harley Quinn outfit. Is what I'm saying. Like it is so hard to find this costume online. It's and and like in the right sizes. It's it's kind of sad.
1: But I mean, well, from your Insta, you rocked it.
2: <laughs> oh thank you yeah and plus it would be a big mistake if they decided to go
0: with someone else like a, the just from like the beginning of this conversation you're harley quinn yeah. especially in nick and i's books now yep. um but you were talking about collaboration on austin and alley and i believe um he he was like your love interest on the show des um he's from victoria i believe i'm nick if i'm wrong correct me he
1: is from victoria british columbia
0: yeah. So I just wanted to know, did you ever get to visit like Vancouver or Victoria in that area?
2: My goodness. No, I haven't yet. I mean, hopefully I get invited to his wedding or something and they <laughs> have it. I don't know. I love crashing weddings, so that would be fun. Cough, um, I uh, I got to go to Canada once when I was really little, um, but I, I have some friends and I always mess up where they're from. I don't know if you guys know Josh, the, the genie, the blue genie. He like plays a genie and he does like make a kind of make a wish sort of stuff. But he's from Canada
1: in the, in the show, uh, Austin and Allie?
2: Uh, he, No, he's not from Austin and no. Alley. He's just a personality like on his in his own right. Oh, oh. <laughs> literally looks like he has a blue genie outfit. Uh, I think if you like Googled or went on Instagram and, and looked for like I am a genie or something like that, you might find him. Uh, but he's like full on blue and and he's from Canada I love Canadians (laughs) but it's been a minute since I've been there
1: well I'm gonna formally invite you to Vancouver whenever y'all want to come over and we'll do a live podcast
2: yes awesome do you guys use y'all there because I think I just heard you say (laughs) y'all you (laughs) know
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's I think it's I think it's just me I I I like to throw y'alls in there because, you know, it started as like an ironic thing because, you know, like it's generally known that, you know, Americans say that. And and, you know, y'all is just kind of a funny word to me. But you know what? It's become absolutely 100 percent part of my vocabulary. And you know what? I'm okay with it because I think y'all is a great word.
2: Yes, it's very convenient gender neutral. Exactly. Gender, gender neutral. I want to like have a petition for y'all. Like, let's just all hop on the y'all bandwagon. Because I think you know it's very inclusive and it represents like you know a group of people that rock. Y'all are yeah. awesome, yeah. and um, I appreciate the invite. I would love to uh, take you up on that. Um, yeah, y'all in America is actually—it's not even an American thing. It's really like a Southern yeah, thing. Yeah, that's true. So the fact that you said that I was like, whoa. <laughs> I- Back in Texas, <laughs> I know
1: my I have my Texas roots. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly, I had no roots in Texas, but you lie. I was in the airport. Uh, I us. was in the airport once.
2: Oh, uh, that counts. <laughs> the the airport in Texas is really fun. Lot, really lots nice. of lots of food options Huge. between flights. Huge. Good to know.
0: Well, I feel like this is a good time to go to one of my favorite segments, and it's called. Questions of oh, <laughs> the week. I really should have let you do this.
1: So you can do the next week. one. We'll get you to do the next one.
0: Hannah. Yeah, you 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 can do the next segment. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, you get used to yeah, it. Yeah, it's honestly a spur of the moment thing. Never know what ways this the segment's gonna go. Never. But we had some interesting questions, and some of them are directed uh, straight to you Hannah um, but Nick and I might put our two cents in too. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay so the first question I have for you is mm-mm-mm. Hannah what was the closest you got to quitting and how did you get through that situation?
2: Ooh, um, the closest I got to quitting I feel like it was really really early on um, after I'd done America's Next Top Model. Um, and that's what it's, what do you think? That's what it's in regards to, right? Like quitting. Yep. Um, like my-
0: Yeah, entertainment
2: probably. Yeah, so after right after America's Next Top Model, like before I really got into the thick of it, um i had I hadn't moved to l a yet. I was uh, actually living in Dallas with my grandma. Um, she was one of the best roommates i I've ever had. I lived with her for a year. Um, and I was kind of working uh, uh, my i was I was working myself to the bone, literally. I had met with an agency there that said, um, in order to be a star in the industry, you have to be almost unhealthy looking and took a measuring tape that she ha- had on the door and like measured me and told me where I needed to lose weight. And don't love that. <laughs> don't Love that. That's not true. Every, everybody listening out there, you don't have to be unhealthy looking to be, uh, absolutely amazing. Nope. You are amazing. You are amazing when you're healthy. <laughs> That's the most important thing is to have your health. Um, but I was really impressionable at that point because I had given up college and relationships to uh, pursue modeling uh, in hopes of getting my foot in the door with acting. And so I was not eating a lot and working really hard at a gym to kind of, uh, you know, make money to move out to L.A. and was still like I was you know, taking, doing photo shoots for my portfolio, but nothing had really happened yet as far as booking work. And I was really sad, you know, cause I I think at that point I was like kind of basing my happiness on six on my success, which is also not something that um, anybody should get in the habit of doing happiness doesn't really come from, um, you know, you know, being successful is important to, you know, reach your goals. And that's a great feeling, but happiness is something that you should, you know, strive for. Um, and just like sitting and breathing, you know, that's, that's happiness is, is being alive. Um, and when you're unhealthy looking, that is not going to be there. Happiness is not going to be there. Right. So, um, I was on the phone with my dad crying. Uh, he, I'm very close with my parents and, and my dad is someone that I can always call and he'll give me some pretty, um, pretty bad advice. <laughs> but- <laughs> Gotta always have that though. Yeah. Yeah. I'll always have his advice as, you know, even though sometimes he's like, "Whoa, what do you want me to say? I'm like, dad, I need you to say that everything's going to be okay. (laughs) But I called him this time and I was, you know, crying, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing this. I like, I'm scared. I've given up college. What's going to happen if this doesn't work out? And he was like, Hannah, just, you got to just, get back into it. He was like, snap out of it. He basically like gave me a on the phone (laughs) and was like, you got this, you got to just hang in there and you can do this. He was like, what have you been waiting for your whole life? This is the time you can do like, it was just that pep talk that, you know, um, I needed to hear out loud. It's hard. Like you can be your own cheerleader, but it's just hard to sometimes get yourself out of these ruts. And so again, family and, Emotional support from friends, like it's important to be surrounded by people that are positive influence and, you know, don't um, suck your energy. Like that's another really hard lesson to learn. But um, yeah, I've ever since then, I've kind of just, you know, I take try to take every day at a time and do small achievable goals on a daily basis that help me feel like I'm working towards my goal, my bigger goals. Cause like, you know, having a really big goal is important, but then thinking about like what you can do to take one step at a time, and it can actually make things feel a lot easier and a lot less scary and intimidating. Um, and yeah, now it's kind of like, this is, this is what I meant for. And, you know, I, I think the other part too, is taking the expectation of being famous or rich out of it because, uh, I've had like a little stroke of, of that feeling of being recognized at, uh, grocery stores and movie theaters and malls and, you know, as much as I love meeting people I haven't met, meeting friends I haven't met yet, you know, fans or whatever you want to call them that sometimes don't know my name, but are like, you're 5'11", you must be someone famous, right? No. Um <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong, right? They're like, your hair's in pigtails. Are you someone, are you someone that I should know? You know, sometimes people what? come up, I've had someone come up to me and be like, oh, oh, my God, I loved you in Crazy Stupid Love. And I'm like, <gasps> yeah, no, first they go, oh, I loved you on your season of America's Next Top Model. I really wish that you would have made it. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, because that part's true, right? Okay, yeah, that's like,
0: nice. That's really nice.
2: No, but then they, and then they, this person kept going. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then when you were on Crazy Stupid Love, that was so cool. That was so amazing. And then when you were in The Green Hornet, and I was what? like, <laughs> You got the wrong ANTM alumni. That's actually Leo Tipton, who used to be, uh, well, it was Annalie Tipton when she was on America's Next Top Model, but now they identify as Leo. Um, And Leo and I are doppelgangers, and that was kind of someone who inspired me to get on America's Next Top Model. So I was flattered, but at the same time kind of bummed because they were recognizing the wrong person. (laughs) So, um, yeah, yeah. fame is an interesting one because it's like, I'm not, I, I, I kind of love where I'm at. I'm someone who still can go incognito. Uh, you know, when I have a mask on, people really wouldn't, won't, don't recognize me. It happened once uh, in an elevator this past year where someone recognized my voice. Um, that was kind of cool. But I, I mean, I love, I love taking pictures and answering people's questions and hopefully giving them faith uh, and encouragement that the. Things that they're passionate about are possible, um, and and being passionate is such an amazing feeling. Like when you find something you're passionate about, the next thing is just doing it every day, and you're gonna, and something amazing is gonna happen out of it. So, yeah, I love that question. It kind of is like a, a whole. I could feel. I feel like we could whole make a whole podcast season on that question. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I just, love just, that. Just <laughs>
1: just be the third person on the show. We won't mind it. Let's make it a three person show. Why not? Yeah um we do have another question um this one actually is specifically about austin and Allie. um they just want to know what your audition process was like we know how you got to the table read but we want to know Mm -hmm. the process of leading up to that table read
2: okay so um that was a really i just it's so so surreal again but um i had it was i had been in la for a year and up until that point i had been strictly modeling and doing runway shows and Uh, Photo shoots, and you know, I was doing these really um, (laughs) crude—not not not crude in in the uh, the content, but crude in the editing—crude YouTube videos, like uh, behind the scenes of fashion shows and fashion shows and photo shoots. (laughs) So I was vlogging a little bit, and I did a photo shoot with Alexandria from my season, and the makeup artist on that set. Reached out to her cousin, who was a talent manager, who is a talent manager, and was like, "Hey, you need to meet this girl. She, uh, you know, she's from Top Model." And, and I got kind of linked up to this manager. So step one: get representation, get a manager or get an agent, get someone who can submit you for projects. Uh, the best way to do that is through showcases um and doing you know uh, a lot of people take like the long approach of like going to a theater college or university and then at the end of that two or four year conservatory they usually have a showcase where agencies come but there's plenty of uh, showcases in LA or probably anywhere that these uh, uh is based um and if if there isn't Uh, definitely put yourself out there on social media. Social media is a great tool. And that's basically how I kind of got into the office of my manager. She, uh, you know, called me in and asked me if I wanted to start auditioning for television and film. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes, please. Like I had been wanting that for years and so many people on the outside of the industry will say it's so difficult and it's uh it's almost impossible you're better off winning the lottery I heard that when I was a kid all the time oh you want to be an actor (laughs) you're better off winning the lottery and the problem is I like believed it so much that it made it so difficult to even just have the courage or the confidence to call agents and that's another approach put yourself uh you know on uh casting networks or um Actors Access are really great websites for actors to um, submit themselves to projects. If they're independently representing themselves, then they can still submit themselves for projects, especially local projects or nationwide projects. Backstage is really great, too. Um, but long story, kind of trying to cut it down and, and make it as con- like a, you know condensed as possible as far as my approach. Once I got my manager... Uh, it was like, boom, boom, boom. I started all of a sudden getting auditions really, really quickly. And I was like, I can't read this fast. <laughs> Good reader. like practice reading because you like, I was reading scripts and then having to memorize them and then um, either put myself on tape in a what's called a self-tape submission or go into uh, the auditions on studio li- lots like Paramount and um, the Disney, where a lot of Disney films uh, at the Hollywood Studios, which, fun fact, is the same studio a lot where I Love Lucy was filmed. Oh. So, yeah, Hollywood Studios. So, um, I had three auditions like the first month I was working with this manager and um, the third audition was for Austin and Allie and I got the script and basically I got sides, which is a little sample of the episode uh, so that I, knows basic, I I know pretty much the moment before my character enters and about 10 seconds after they leave to get an idea of what that episode's about. So I had like 3 pages uh of script and uh I just loved Carrie on the page. I like felt like I was like I can be her, you know, and I could hear her voice and my voice like I feel like she talks a little bit more high pitched than me and so I was like, you know, practicing her in front of the mirror and she's you know, space cadet. So I was like having fun with being like a little clueless and I love comedy. So the writing, like the, the writers of Austin and Allie are actually the same writers of Good Burger. Oh yeah. So, uh, Heath and Kevin, um, were the writers of, of, Austin and Allie and they've done, um, a couple of other, like, you know, they're, if you go to their IMDB pages, you'll see that they've you know, working with them was really, really exciting. Um, and cause they're just, their writing is really great. Um, and yeah, I go into the audition. It was funny cause I worked with my manager that day to kind of prepare. And she was like, you might actually get this. And she said it in a way like, I I'm kind of surprised at how well you're like acting like this character right now. Wow. Um, and that's kind of the thing about acting too, that at least from my experience and like, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm the type of I'm a character actor. Like I really like playing particular people. I'm not really sure if I could play like a lawyer or someone too serious until maybe like my mid-30s or 40s Um, but for now I'm really enjoying the characters that I am typecast as Uh, and I go into the uh, elevator um, at the studio lot where they film like Liv and Maddie and all these other really awesome Disney Channel shows and as I get in the elevator there's a lady who's also going to the same floor as me and for some reason in my mind I'm thinking that she's there for somebody's audition like maybe she's someone's aunt or like a family member. Because she just had that like very warm vibe about her. So we start talking about blueberries being on sale at Fonz. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all things. <laughs> I know. I was so random and like just... I was trying like the i like to play my character leading up to my auditions or leading up to the days on set i like to be in character and somewhat of a method actor in that respect and so uh, i was just like bubbly and talk to her about blueberries and then uh we get into the casting o- like the waiting room and i go to sign in and she walks into the casting director's office and she pokes her head out again she's like oh you must be auditioning for Carrie. And I'm thinking, oh, you must be the casting director. Like I had (laughs) no idea that my audition had basically already started. Um, And I love telling people that part of the story because it, it really is important how you show up to your classes as an actor, how you show up to any sort of opportunity is an audition or it's it's another step to open doors for more things so like you know showing up with a good attitude showing up prepared with a pen and paper um you know looking looking presentable or feeling like your character taking a shower those are important things people and so um it was, yeah, it was a really great session. Like I start, I, I did the script with her and what I was not expecting at all was her to laugh as hard as she did at the parts where it was supposed to be funny. Um, and I was like that, cause that for me is one of my favorite feelings yeah. is hearing people laugh. Oh yeah. Especially when it's something that I've said or done, you know, like I said earlier, I am gladly going to take a pie in the face if I know a laugh is going to come after that. I feel it. So uh, I did the scene, and then she called her uh, assistant, uh, her casting assistant, who's now uh, got her own casting company and doing great things. Shayna Sherwood, and Shayna started laughing, and I was like, "Whoa, this feels right," you right. know. And those uh, are like the kind of auditions that. It's like, no matter what happened afterwards, like if I had booked it or not, I felt like really good about what I'd done. So that's like another uh, piece of advice that I'd give people is like, put your best foot forward, give it your all. And then afterwards you have to like walk out saying like, I did everything I could in my power and now it's up to luck and all of those little things that have to kind of come together, you know? Uh, And I got a call Uh, I think I still have the recording somewhere because Shayna called me and she called my manager. I was like, we want to put Hannah on a veil. We're going to have her come in and do a producer session, but we want her on a veil. And I had never heard this word before a veil. Like I was like, this is like, what, what does a veil mean? Um, and that, uh, she's like, we've pinned her for Carrie. And I was like, pinned, I don't know what that means. Like, it's not like we, you booked it. It's not like you're hired. It's these, these strange words that I hadn't heard before. And I, uh, funny enough, I had made friends with Jesse Metcalf when he was filming Dallas. That's, uh, yeah, the guy who played John Tucker Must Die, and Hello. so oh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> to him, at, I ran into him at the gym, and in, in West Hollywood. The like the week this was all kind of happening, and I was like, Jesse, what does it mean when you're on hold for something? Like when you're avail, like if they're asking if you're like you're avail, um, like if you're penned, what does that mean? And he was like, That means a really good thing. That's all I could say. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, cool, cool. Thanks, Jesse, thanks. And then...
0: And you're going insane. You're like, okay, so it's good, but what type of good?
2: (laughs) And then uh, I went to the producer session, and I remember there were a couple of other carries that they were looking at, and that's another part of the industry that I think a lot more people are familiar with is that, you know, when you go to an audition, you're not the only person who's auditioning for the character. And uh something that's really important and something I've struggled with, especially on America's Next Top Model, was comparing myself to other contestants on the show. And uh so I was, you know, in the zone that day because, like, I, you know, was nice to the person next to me, but also kind of like, I cannot wait. I can't wait. This is so exciting. And she went in. Oh, no, no, no. I went in first. She was really nice. I went in first. And it was like uh, a very small room full of people, producers, uh, Kevin and Heath, the writers, uh, Craig, one of the, uh, another writer who also directs, uh, the writer for, or the director for that week, um, the casting directors, and then like the big Disney producers, like the people that are really like running the show. Uh, And so I remember walking in and and hearing one of them go, (gasps) And I was like, oh, that feels like I think that's a good thing. Um, and then <laughs> I did did the scene, lots of laughter and like I kind of had added uh, something right at the end. And that's also something I recommend for people is like you want to stick to the script um, as an actor. You want to like stick to what's the words that are on the page. You want to respect the writer's work uh, and add to it. With your character, with your physical self, with your um, with your wardrobe or physical, you know, the the physicality of the character and the and the mental stuff, like the thoughts that you have as the character, um, and, and it's all supposed to support the script and not distract you from the story. So like when it comes to like wardrobe and stuff like that, it's just like maybe a color or like one accent of the character that really helps you feel like that, and then at the end like my last line for the audition was um that's why they call me the love robot and then I did like the robot off like beep boop beep boop beep boop and i think that it really you know it felt like it went really well yes. um and then i had to leave the audition and it was funny cuz the girl that was going after me was like oh. cuz they had it was a really good audition lots of laughs and they were she was just like i could tell she was like oh. I got to follow that. I was like, oh, no, I know that feeling. Um, And, like, later I was at a a, a dressing, uh, I was in a dressing room, like, trying to just, like, get my mind off things by going shopping. Uh, And my manager called me, and she was like, you booked it. And I just, like, dropped to the floor. I was like, this is. So, yeah, it's, um it's funny, like I, I had an acting class right, right before this. That's why we had to kind of push things back. And one of the kids in class was like, how many auditions did you have to go on before you booked your first, your first role? And it's like the short answer three, right? Like those first three auditions. Um, the long answer is like, I had been acting for at least 10 years and like everything that you know, classes and auditioning for little stuff that wasn't necessarily on TV, but had helped me kind of be aware of what an audition feels like. All of those things kind of add up to that moment where things do go right, you know, and I recommend anybody who is uh, an aspiring artist, um, like if you're like, give acting as an example. It's like, if you want to be an actor, I really recommend trying to find a stage Um, trying to find a set you know filming with people is really important learning learning how to work with people on set and then go to every audition you can Um, but if you book it then you know you are you are kind of supposed to show up for the job so make sure you like the auditions that you go on to
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's probably a good thing yeah
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of the kids today was like, what if you get hired for something you don't want to do? I was like, you shouldn't have gone to the audition, nice. you know? And uh, if you don't have, like, enough clarity on the project, then that's kind of a red flag, too. I think, like, it's important for the actors to have that sort of transparency transparency in the breakdown of the script, or at least the audition breakdown. So, Yeah. That's great. I love it. I feel like we got a like a little acting 101 session For real, here. I
0: love
2: <laughs> uh, I love talking about acting like and it's really fun to do it. It's just it's also like a great uh, form of self-expression and connection. Yeah. Well, we do actually have one more
0: question for you and it's kind of a selfish question that Nick and I kind of crafted beforehand just because we think you would have a very interesting answer. For real. And it's okay if you can't answer all three because it's kind of like a three-part question. Oh, but wow. Esen- but essentially, if everything and everyone that you know is basically gone when you're gone, so there's no memory of you, um, the things that you did that you couldn't leave behind, but the only thing that you were allowed to leave behind that like represented you was a song, a movie, and a book. What would they be?
2: Ooh, okay.
0: Yeah, this is just kind of a fun question. So you don't have to think of it too literally, but.
2: Yeah. All right, so my favorite song it goes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ba-da, I would love that song to be, like, I love that song. But I can't, I think it's Suzanne Varga is the uh, the artist.
1: I know the song. I don't know the title or anything. But, yes, I know the song it, you're talking it's about. It's
2: such a, like, it's such a, like, catchy, there's something about it. If you listen, uh, it's something cafe. Some That's the name of the title, something cafe. It is a I bop. I not remember. What is that? It is a bop. Yeah, it's a bop. It's a bop. Um... Movie. Well. <laughs> um, I just, I, I rewatched Zoolander, and, like, that movie, like, if I'm sad, is such a, like, if I'm happy. Anytime, like, anytime I need to just be in a good mood, Zoolander is the movie that I go to. I love the part when he's like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: that's a good just, scene
2: there's so many like funny you know a lot of times movies like will uh you know kind of heighten the version of of reality like they like everybody you know when somebody makes um how do i explain it you know when it's like oh it's so hollywood or it's so it's so dramatized you know it's like an elevated version of the story but like Zoolander there's so many things that people do say in fashion like oh he's so in right now Hansel he's so in right now like it's just so (laughs) funny like how they were like so on point and like making fun of it but it was like it's like actually what people say and do and like yeah I just thought it was really funny that's hilarious um and then book That's a difficult question because I there's only so many books that I've ever finished in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're too busy reading scripts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I wish that I was reading more, to be honest. Um, But, okay, let's see here. There's a couple, like, there's, I feel like there's, like, there's a, there's a kind of a, uh, what's the word, a genre of books that I really recommend people. Like, it, you know, on going back to the the topic of uh, mental health and everything, these books have really helped me. I really love Eckhart Tolle's uh, The Power of Now. Yes, very good, very good. Yeah, yeah The Alchemist was uh, is a great, kind of more fictional um, approach to Um, manifesting your dreams and things like that, The Alchemist. Uh, Yeah, that's
0: a fable. So anyone who hasn't read it, like, that's a great suggestion. I'm just saying,
2: sorry. (laughs) Alchemist. Um, And then uh, a book that's so, so just like out there and trippy and like, what is this person talking about? Who is this person? But that's kind of interesting. And if you like, like manifesting things and like miracles and stuff like that, I really love, uh the course on miracles um it's a very big it's a very thick book and a person was basically like uh they kind of was like they were like downloaded information and then they put it into a book so it's like it's kind of got this really interesting uh voice to it as far as like it's not necessarily the writer who's saying this is what i've written it's like something that she felt was sort of carried or uh, sent through her um and so I, I really like I like the topic and um if that one is too thick of a book because I didn't finish it I would recommend Marian Williamson's uh books that relate to The Course of Miracles she kind of breaks it down too so Marian Williamson is is amazing All Right. I love that.
0: And I feel like it takes us perfectly into our last but Nick's favorite segment. Is it your favorite segment, Nick?
1: I'd say so. I enjoy this segment. Hannah, would you like to introduce it?
2: Is it (laughs) recommendations?
1: This girl gets it. She gets it.
0: See, the problem is, is that I'm never gonna be able to do that because I can't roll my <laughs> tongue or ours or anything. And now I'm just gonna be trying to do that for every episode next. So I'm sorry, everyone. So she true. just set the standard. And I yeah, just... it's up
1: here now.
2: No, I Krista, I really want to hear what your what your attempt at rolling your tongue no. sounds like. Please, what? yes, Krista, do it for the podcast. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> Try to finish the word though. Oh, recommendation.
1: Oh, that is. That, that is
2: great. Phenomenal. Yeah, is. Phenomenal. Yeah, that's awesome. That's nice. Uh,
1: uh, Adam, would you like to lead us off if uh, you time. have your recommendation?
2: Recommendation. Recommendation. <laughs> um so I think uh wanna you know, I, I kinda teased it at the beginning. Uh, a free piece of advice, you don't have to go anywhere to get this, is breathing. And it's so simple, we, we're we supposed to do it autonomously, but it has so much power to it. I mean, without breath, uh, what happens to a human being? <laughs> <laughs> There, wow. you know, it's like a fish out of water, right? Yeah. So I, I think breathing is really important. um So something that I really like to do with people is breathe together with them. So I'll give uh, us the opportunity with our listeners. Ooh, I, love Ooh, I love this. Yes, <laughs> to experience the power of breath. Um, we're gonna take three deep breath in together. So when you take the first deep breath in, I'm gonna count you down and I want you to hold for a second at the top. And when you release, you can actually make an audible sigh if you want, like a, you can make a sound on the way out. I remember um, but I would just recommend um, breathing as deeply as you can and holding it for a second at the top and then releasing. So on the count of three, we're gonna take a deep breath in. One, two, three, breathe in, hold. End out. Good. Two more times. One, two, three. One more time. One, two, three. All right. How do you guys feel?
1: That was a throwback so to better. school.
2: That, that feels really good. And it's like, so 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 simple yeah. um that, and it kind of like for me i think a lot of my lesson that i'm still learning every day is that things are way more simple than we make them out to be so like when i get anxiety and, and or frustrated or i get down on myself and things like that it's just the process of overthinking or getting stuck thinking about one thing in particular and so breathing really helps and if you just focus on your breath um that can relieve or release some of the pain or tension you might be feeling
1: that's a really good thing I, yeah i, I kind of learned about this in school but that's uh, a that, that everybody listen to hannah
2: it's like a it's like a daily like recommendations like it's like a daily reminder too and that's kind of going back like when you, when we talk about, like, talk about mental health or, like, be aware of it, it's just kind of that being aware of presence, you know, like, everybody has their, uh, this, the, something that's giving them life, their body is, is moving, and seeing, and feeling, and hearing, and touching, and, and smelling, and tasting, and our, our senses, like, are alive, you know, and, and I think we have overcomplicated life so much with, uh, status and success and, uh, the superficial, you know, outside features and things like that. And it's just like, we're, you know, miracles being alive and being here. And once you like harness that energy in yourself, you realize you are capable of anything you want to accomplish. Um, and when you do spread that, uh, that, uh, positive like you know m- me telling you that gives me continues to build the like the power of miracles in me so it's like it's important to to kind of spread that ripple effect
0: i love it it seems simple but it's just like one of those things yes i love that daily reminder and now next time when we do recommendations it will be in the back of our head like oh yeah we we need to remember
2: to breathe <laughs>
1: implemented every
2: Especially podcast for,
1: for, sorry nick we'll implement it in every podcast
2: Yay! Well, it's really important for artists, like especially, you know, anybody who's if you're dancing or if you're an athlete, um, even like a writer or speakers like you're um, we get so excited and that's great. Being excited is so important. But like sometimes that excited energy can kind of take control and all of a sudden you forget to breathe. (laughs) That's true. Yeah.
0: Well, Nick, do you think you can top her recommendation? Are you, are you going to go?
1: Heck no, <laughs> but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So um, I personally r- r- picked up an old hobby of mine. Um, it w- uh, Woodworking, basically, you know, building things. I've always liked that. Um, and I was just thinking of how much I loved it. Like I took it in high school and everything for like five years. Like I, I almost debated going into it after high school. Then I realized, nope. But uh, I still love crafting and building things and woodworking. So I've gotten back into it. I'm doing a couple projects right now. And I guess my recommendation is you had an old hobby and it kind of went away, try to find it again. Or if you've never had a hobby, find a hobby because hobbies are pretty cool.
0: I love that. Hobbies are great. I mean, I'm not going to be a woodworker,
2: but I, I love it.
1: Yeah, I don't trust you around saws, Krista.
2: I was about to say, I would be so scared to cut my thumb off. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: It's a a fear you got to take, but it's fun.
0: Yeah. Well, I think for my recommendation, I think it's all interesting. All our all of our recommendations are things yeah. to go do or try. Um, so my recommendation this week is to plan a date with your either your partner or your best friend, but make it a surprise. Sometimes I feel like we're so caught up in our day-to-day activities that we have to feel like we have to confirm everything. Mm. Like, do you want to do sushi? Do you want to do pizza? Or do you want to go to the beach? Like, just pick that person up. Be like, get dressed. We're going. That's going to put such a big smile on their face, and you're going to feel really good about yourself doing it too because you're going to be like, hee hee hee, I'm so sneaky and so fun.
2: <laughs> That's really good. I love that. I totally, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about surprises.
0: Right? It's uh, My partner did it for me on um, Monday, and it was like, okay, get dressed up. We're going for happy hour. And I was just like, we're, th- we're doing this? Like, it's just planned? Okay. <laughs> so it just made my day.
1: It worked. That's fine. That's a good one. Ah. Um, anyway, I guess this is uh, this is it. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the <laughs> podcast.
2: I'm so happy that we found a time that was, you know, that worked out, and it's been an awesome conversation. So the pleasure is mine as well.
1: I, I would love yeah. to do this again potentially in the future. <gasps>
0: And also, uh, we want to plug your Instagram right now. So, for any of our followers who are not following Hannah and Kat Jones, please do. I believe it is just
2: her name as your Instagram handle. Yes, Hannah. It's a palindrome, which means you can spell it forwards and backwards. Oh my
1: God. I never realized so, that.
2: It's really, I, I
0: didn't know that was a word. Cool.
2: Yeah. It's really useful uh, for people who are dyslexic oh or really bad spellers. Um, so it's H A N N A H, and then my middle name is uh, the second part of Kit Kat, so it's K A T, and then um, my last name is Jones, uh, like keeping up with the Joneses, um, and that's why I I don't like lines. Uh, I I have to always be at the front of them, or else uh, I feel like I'm not living up to my name. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> but um it's been so great like i really appreciate the connection uh that you guys made um with me tonight like i really uh i feel a lot better because i know at the beginning of the uh, i was gonna call it a session like you guys are my therapist at the beginning (laughs) we can be Yeah. Talking is really good therapy. It's just, it can be so, uh, frightening sometimes to like, kind of be vulnerable, you know? Um, and I'm somewhat of like, I don't know if I'm an introvert extrovert or an extrovert introvert, but I'm definitely a hybrid. Um, yeah. So it's, um, it's been a pleasure and I'm, I really, uh, I hope you guys all the success in the world. I love what you're doing and don't, don't give it up. Keep, Keep on inspiring people.
1: Okay. Aww, thank you. Face. Thank you very, very much. Um, that is our friend. I'm going to call you our friend. You're a friend now.
2: Yeah, um,
0: yes. <laughs> 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 you came on the podcast. You're an automatic friend and you're an honorary. We call our listeners Kurds. We're still working
2: on the name. It's like the queen of so Kurds. Much. Aww, thank, you. thank you. Honorary, what? honorary curds
1: curd because you know it goes on top of like poutine like there's the cheese curds so
2: she's american (laughs) i love that that's great that's a good one it's nice sweet we're pretty
1: we're pretty hilarious but we'll be back at it again with more discontinued gravy next week
0: talk to you later